in every Lutheran church I've ever served in, there's always a picture of Noah's Ark somewhere. It's usually in the nursery. Noah is always in the scene and almost always under a dove. Sometimes, but not always, Mrs. Noah and the sons are there too. And always, without exception, there are three kinds of animals. Every single ark scene has these three kinds of animals. Pairs of elephants, lions, and giraffes. You have to have elephants, lions, and giraffes or it's not an ark scene. And this part is kind of fun for kids who can imagine being on a huge boat with all those animals. Never mind the smell. But the story of Noah's Ark isn't cute and cuddly. It's actually pretty terrifying. It's a terrifying story of God's judgment. In Genesis 6, God gets fed up with humanity. It's been 11 generations from Adam at the time of the flood, and things haven't gotten better since the expulsion from Eden. Rather, they've gotten worse. God sees that the wickedness of humankind is great in the earth and that every inclination every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts is only evil continually. It's 6.5. So what's the solution? Well, for those of you who have ever wondered why God doesn't just set everything right and get rid of all the evil people, well, God tries that here. God does that. God unleashes the forces of chaos. Genesis tells us that the windows of the heavens, the sky which separated the waters underneath from the waters above, opened. The mountains of the deep burst forth. God took the world, and I might be dating myself with this reference. I am dating myself, but so be it. God took the world like you would take an Etch-a-Sketch <laughs> and shook it, starting over with creation. Kids, if you don't know what an Etch-a-Sketch is, ask your parents later. God starts over, except for Noah, his family, and the animals with them. The story of judgment is also a story of mercy, because God loves the creation, including human beings. God doesn't start completely over from dust. Besides, the text strongly implies that even if God did completely start over from dust, with a new Adam and Eve, the same thing would happen. There's an extraordinary verse where Noah and his family get off the ark, and Noah is offering sacrifice to God. And as Noah is offering the sacrifice, God says, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind. Remember that the ground was cursed at the fall. I will never again curse the ground because of humankind, for the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth, nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Part of what it means to be human, at least on this side of heaven, is our propensity to fall and to fail. We're growing into full humanity in Jesus Christ. 
but we're not there. Our process of becoming takes a lifetime. So that should tell us something. There are no perfect humans, except for one, but he was the Son of God, after all. We're it. We're it. There are only humans, some better, some worse, all sinners, all beloved by God. God didn't create superhumans, perfectly good, who had no chance of failure to be God's partners. We're who God has chosen to work with, to partner in caring for creation and for each other. And because God has chosen humanity and the rest of God's creation, God makes a firm, one-sided commitment to Noah and his family. This is the first of many covenants we're going to talk about during this season of Lent, during evening prayer. God makes this firm, one-sided commitment. Sure, God still has expectations for human behavior. God lists them at the beginning of Genesis chapter 9. But God's commitment to human beings isn't dependent, isn't dependent on humans keeping up their end of the deal. Because we all know that we don't. Martin Luther knew that if our destiny was up to us in any way, we would all be doomed. In a prayer for God's guidance, Luther wrote, Use me as your instrument. Lord, do not forsake me. If I were alone, I would ruin everything. God promises that whenever we see God's weapon of wrath and judgment in the clouds. Yes, the rainbow. That's the symboliz- that symbolized God's wrath back then, not a happy scene. Whenever we see God's bow in the clouds, we're reminded that God will never unleash the forces of chaos on humanity again and totally wipe out humanity. God loves us so much that God's mercy is part and parcel of God's judgment. Bad things happening aren't surprising. What is surprising is that chaos is held back to the extent it is. What's surprising is that so many good things happen, that we're here, that we can enjoy the life our Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier gives and sustains in us. We live solely by the love of God. God commits to us, just as God committed to Noah, his family, and the rest of creation. And when God makes a commitment, it is as certain as the sunrise.